0: Everyone, and welcome to the Royal One podcast, the podcast that empowers you to discover your purpose, embrace your identity, and engage faith tenaciously. I'm your host, Dr. Lysandra Barnes, life coach, Bible teacher, author, speaker, and founder of the Royal One Enterprise, which is a women's empowerment company. I am so excited to be with you all, and I hope y'all all are having a fantastic day. In this episode, we are going to be discussing what does it mean to be young, saved, and free with my special guest, Brianna Brown? So, are you ready to go on the journey of empowerment? Then let's go. Hey, Brianna, how's it going?
1: Hey, I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm doing really good. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. How's everything going for you?
1: It's going really, really good. Today's been amazing. It's, it's just a lot of stuff happening
0: today. Great. Awesome. So tell us a little bit more about yourself.
1: Well, I am 28. I'm from originally from Augusta, Georgia, but I am living in Tallahassee, Florida currently. I have a background in psychology. I had my master's in public administration. And in the midst of me getting my master's, actually, when I was transitioning from one program to another, I got to put it on my heart to start Young, Safe, and Free. I started it January first, twenty eighteen, and that was right after I realized how much of a healer God is. I was diagnosed with PCOS when I was twenty three, and found myself completely healed by the time I was twenty five. And I was like, I have to start this platform now because that's you know that's not something that people hear about. And when I started looking at my life, I'm like, there's a lot of things that happened to me that people just don't come out of. So I have to start this platform. So that's. And I'm now transitioning into ministry, like, well, not full-time ministry, but like pastoralship in the next few months or so. So it's crazy how this whole thing has like transitioned my life. Like, it's absolutely insane to me.
0: Really? Okay. So it looks like we got a lot to talk about today because as you know, I am also an associate pastor at my church as well. So definitely a woman in ministry is rare in some places, but normal in others. So when were you called to the ministry?
2: Well,
1: that's a very interesting question. For, because I come from a ministerial family, I'm on my way to a service and it's my aunt's service. My aunt is an apostle. And her daughter is a pastor and my mom is like an evangelist, but she don't really she doesn't really claim that title, but that's what she operates as. And like my dad thought I have aunt uncles that are pastors, and it's just all around me. But it never was intentional for me, like, ever. Like, literally, if you would have asked me at 17 years old did I think I was going to be an executive pastor before I was 30, I would have probably cussed you out. Like, because I, I never wanted anything to do with church, ever. Like, I grew I came up in the Church of Christ, and I hated it. I absolutely hated it and did not plan on ever going back to church in my life after I graduated from high school. When I really, really knew that I was called, I probably, it probably happened after I was asked to be in the position. I didn't think that I was supposed to do it before that. I just, I never saw myself as a pastor, but my pastor was like, it makes sense if it was on your heart to start that ministry, which is Jump Safe, and Free, that was preparing you to lead people and to help people with their faith journey. And I was really? Like, for real? This is all set up. Like, yes. wait a minute. <laughs> like, nobody told me, but I've known that I've had a call in my life since I've been going to ministry actively. when I, I started when I was 18, but I never
2: pursued where I am today until after it was
0: given to me. -hmm. You know what? It's interesting because I know when I got my call, I was 16. I will never forget it. I definitely was able to do other things. And then in in my master's program is when I really decided, okay, this is it. (laughs) This is the way that I'm going to go. And I can't run from it anymore. What is the story that you want to tell to other women that you know may have a desire to want to go on a ministry or feel like i'm called to this what advice would you give to them
1: be yourself like do not try to be a you know a leader in ministry like how you see Juanita Bynum or Tiffany Moria or whoever else you know what i'm saying like Marissa Farrell anybody like they have their lane they are who they are don't try to be them be yourself because if you keep trying to be them, you're going to completely miss your assignment. You're going to keep pursuing their assignment. And that's not what your assignment is. You have to be so in tune with God and with yourself to know, yes, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is my audience. Because just just like how every business is not meant for everybody, every ministry is not meant for everybody. I know that I'm not calling the people that's already in the church. That is not my ministry. Because I can't talk to somebody that can be so stuck in their ways about things and not really be open to other ways of thinking. My life story and my faith story was that I never wanted anything to do with church. And somebody said, can you come to church with me? And I, like, even though I fought through all those things, and that was with the side eyes from people in ministry that knew who my family was and knew what I was doing outside of church. I know that my, you know, my call is to people that are struggling in the in the same areas that I was struggling with. So, like, with fornication, with drug abuse, with low self-esteem, with all these other issues that the church is afraid to talk about. That is where I'm supposed to. Yeah, if I tried to do it the way that I saw other people do it, like, my aunt, I love her. I love her to death, but our ministries are not the same. She came up in ministry. She grew up Baptist. She grew up with my grandparents who are both Baptist and Pentecostal. I didn't grow up in that. She grew up knowing holiness. I had to learn that as an adult. So that's really where I started Young, Saved and Free. For those who are young and pursuing Christ and still trying to find that balance, because a lot of times we look like, okay, this is what everybody else is doing. So maybe I should do this if I want to be understood to be saved. Or if I want to be understood to be in ministry,
2: you know, mm-hmm.
1: it's that misunderstanding. That's why I go so hard. Just be yourself. Mm-hmm. People will respond to you so much more if you just be yourself.
0: Yes. Oh my goodness. You dropped some major gems right there. So let's talk about this. For that person who may be in the church, outside of the church, but I just met Jesus, not the Roman Jesus, but I met the real Jesus, right? How do I start developing this relationship? What are some steps?
1: first thing I would probably say is to write out everything that you have survived. This is, and this is literally what happened to me. I was 13 years old, I believe, and I went to a Canton Jones concert, been, got hit by the Spirit of the Lord, didn't know what was going on. i never experienced that before in my life. And I went home and I wrote down everything that I had survived at that time. And that included losing a godparent, that included being raped in front of my house, that included... You know, just dealing with the ups and downs of the relationship that I have with my parents and feeling like I've been abandoned and feeling like I've been rejected by my parents. And I looked on like, i survived all this and it couldn't be anybody but God. And so, you know, I kind of put that away for a while. And then when I turned 16, I almost died in a car accident. And that literally woke me up and was like, oh, God is for real. The tree that was literally two inches in front of my car, if I would have hit that tree, I would have died. Thank God that there was nobody driving on the street at that time that I didn't hit anybody. I, it just so happened I was driving at four o'clock in the morning, fell asleep driving, did not know that I fell asleep obviously and swerved off into a ditch almost hit a tree if I would literally if I would have hit the street, it would have killed me from the impact alone. Maybe 110 pounds soaking wet, but when I survived that and I added that to my list, I'm like, okay, there's a reason why you're keeping. Me. so maybe I should get to know you now that I know that you genuinely want me to be here because nobody's gonna fight that hard for me to be here. If you gone, they would have let me go a long time ago. they want to keep trying to save me. Mm-hmm. I really started just looking and reading my Bible for myself. I was going to church at that time, but I had no interest in actual service. I had to literally get to know God for myself. And when I started knowing God for myself and reading the word for myself and realizing some of the things that they were teaching me or they were trying to teach me in ministry was completely wrong. And when I started to question those things and I stood and what I knew God's word said, they didn't like it. So you have to be comfortable with, that's another thing, like when you're really pursuing your relationship, you have to be comfortable with being by yourself sometimes and being going against the envelope, you know?
2: Mhm. Mhm.
1: You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable when you're pursuing the your relationship because it's going to make you question a lot of things that you've been through and how you think about things. Because a lot of times we look at our lives and we say, we've been through all these things. There's nothing out here for me. Obviously, if you survived 100% of your bad days, there's something still here for you because if it was supposed to take you out it would have took you out with it, you're still here. And literally, it's like doing anything else. You have to change your mindset. You have to change your habits. You have to change things that you allow to take up your time and your thought space, just like anything else. It challenges everything else that you have going on in your life. Mm -hmm.
0: I love that. I was a youth pastor for about four years. And working with the youth, it really challenged me to make sure that one, my theology was solid, and two, that it was relevant to where they are in their lives. Because a lot of times we hear a gospel that is tailored towards adults. And it's not tailored towards, you know, the youth or young adult where we don't see it's really relevant. And so when I was telling them about building their relationship and developing it, I was like, if you're an athlete, utilize the same amount of time that you would getting prepared before the game. That's how much time you need to spend willingly getting to know God. And if you love your education, the same amount of time, or if you're in a relationship, the same amount of time that you're invested in getting to know this young man this young woman then you need to spend that same amount of time getting to know God for yourself learning how to pray learning the spiritual disciplines but also you know really reading the the Bible because you find out so much more about God and it's like well how do I hear his voice or does he speak okay well if I don't know what the scripture says about him in the language in which he speaks in when I hear something I won't be able to tell the I difference don't understand it- mm-hmm, exactly And so I think that is so important is to not try to be somebody else. Like you were saying, like, be yourself. Don't try and be the pastor or grandma or or granddaddy or your mom or whoever. Like God created you to be you and you have to find him because he will meet you where you are. So with that being said, so you said you've gone on your journey of self-discovery, of learning God, reading your Bible. So tell us what is your favorite scripture? Where do you always find yourself going back to?
1: Well, first... I just wanted to say something about what you just said. I actually had a, well, I still have my YouTube channel, but I haven't really been recording my support like I spoke to, but literally the last thing that I recorded, it was learning the love languages of God. And it just popped in my head when you said that, like, we have to learn how to love God. We have to learn how he speaks. Five love languages. I think it's Gary Chapman wrote the book. Yeah. And I literally had to look at that as a way for my relationship with God as a relationship just like any other relationship. And so one of the people that I focused on on that was my favorite, which is David. I love David. I absolutely love David. Like and the reason why, even though David messed up so much, he was still the man of God's guy's own heart. That's the thing about David never gave up his pursuit of God, even when he messed up. And mm-hmm. it's like sometimes we look at our faith journey as we have to be perfect. Once we get said, we gotta be perfect. That's it. And there's some things that I really struggle with. And I would never vocalize that to any other leaders because I don't want that judgment. But I know that I struggle. And when I read everything that David wrote, I see how, like, even though he had all of these things, like, even though he was anointed, I think it was in first Samuel, he was anointed to be king. Mm-hmm. He still went through all of these emotions, these ups and downs, and nobody really talks about that. I was listening to Rashawn Wilson one time. He's a pastor out of Charleston. And he was talking about how the 23rd Psalm, even though we celebrated, David was depressed when he wrote that. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of that. If my mom didn't do anything else, she made sure me and my sister.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> 23rd Psalm. Yep. But I never thought about it as a, like, a for real cry to God. Like, God, I need you if, because you make everything okay. You guide me to where I'm supposed to be because if I'm out here by myself, I'm just going to be lost. I need you to, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, Mm -hmm. I never thought about it that way. And I was like, wow, even though he was anointed to be king and had to go back to where he was, like back in the field with the sheep and all that stuff, he was still called, even though he messed up and was sleeping with Bathsheba and had all this other stuff going on in his household, he still never lost his pursuit of God. And I think that is absolutely amazing. Like, that is something that I would commend anybody for. Mm-hmm. To know like your your shortcomings and your slip ups and still pursue God no matter what and not give up on him.
0: You know what? I love David as well. And, you know, I was able to go to Israel to study abroad in my master's Why? program and we went to the wilderness. And so we were able to, one, see where the wilderness, where Jesus would have spent his 40 days, but also what the wilderness looks like for the shepherds. We saw the little shepherd girls out there, the little shepherd boys out there. And they were like, this is what he's talking about. And it is very arid; It is dry. Like, what are these sheep even eating? Rocks? Like, good grief. But then we walked through this valley and it was like, even though it was sunlight, there was like, now imagine what it feels like if it's dark. And it was so scary to even be down there because there was no hope and no safety. And it was just like, I now understand what he's talking about. And it wasn't, you know, Oh, Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It was like, no, like, Lord, you really have to take care of me in the same way that I take care of these sheep. Because if I don't have this, I don't survive.
1: Literally. Like, and I just, I just looked at that on my leg and I forgot, you know, and this is the thing when I said be yourself, because I'm a female covered Well, I'm not covered. I have eight tattoos and a lot of piercing and a lot of people don't know that looking at me, but I have, for thou art with me, tattooed down the back of my leg, like by my calf. Mm-hmm. And that was why, because I felt like I was going through one of the darkest moments of my life. And it was a reminder, like, wherever I go, wherever my legs take me, God is still with me. Mm-hmm. When you really come into that understanding of knowing that God is with you wherever you go, even when you step outside of his will, he's still there with you. Because I used to beat myself up about my, you know, my mistakes. All the time, like I used to be, like I didn't do this right. If I would have did this right, I would have been here by now. If I would have did this right, then I wouldn't have wasted all this time here. And that, like, I would go through like the cycle of beating myself up because I didn't make the best decision all the time. Mm-hmm. And learning that God is literally was still there with me, it changed the game for me. So the same way I go when certain people ask me to come somewhere, why well, I can't do that when got tells me to do it, and not just go my own way.
0: But how powerful is that statement? I was sitting here like for you are with me. So no matter where I'm at, what I'm doing, if I didn't do it right, you are with me. And I love that other scriptures go on and say, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll uphold you with my right hand. So just
1: confirming, reaffirming himself all the time.
0: Exactly. And I think to that young person or older person or whomever you may be, that may be saying, you know what? I don't have it all together. I don't look the part. I, I don't do this the right way. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to be excellent doing the best that you can and present yourself the way that you are. So just because you have tattoos doesn't mean you're not (laughs) just, you know, saved. You know what I mean? Like anybody can get saved. And just because you're, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, I remember, and I'm down in South Georgia, 10, 15 minutes from the Florida border. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so almost like you're in a twilight zone here. So it's very, very old school. Like my cousin, she's a pastor, but she preaches in stilettos and fishnets and they be looking at her crazy. I'm like, She's still covered. Like, what? what is that? Mm-hmm. But I remember this one time, this girl, she was doing my hair and she noticed that I had tattoos. Not like I said, I have eight tattoos. You probably, on a normal day, you would only see probably about four, half of them. Like, mm-hmm. some of the, I have some on my sides and one on my back. And I remember her looking down at, like, my shoulder and my foot and was like, oh, we don't have tattoos in this house. We're saved. And I was like, this is why I said, I have not been saved my whole life.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes.
1: I called myself a, a reformed ratchet. Like, right? listen, <laughs> listen. it's still there in my back pocket, and it really is kind of in my front pocket. It, it'll come out real quick. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at her, like, your husband got tattoos. What you mean? You ain't, your household's safe. Your husband got to sleep. And she was like, well, she's like, well, my husband's safe, though. I said, so your husband can be safe with tattoos, but I can't? Mm. And she didn't say nothing else to me that whole night. She was doing my hair. We, she was on box braids in my hair and wouldn't say a word to me. Because she already knew, like, don't don't bring it this way. I promise you, I'm not that nice about it. When you when you try me, like, I'm not that nice. I'm, I can be as sweet as I want to be to people. But when I feel tried, it's like, mm, hold on, wait a minute.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> let me let me get you together real quick. But, you know, we I always fight with that, with people here. Like, if you don't wear your hair a certain kind of if you don't dress a certain kind of, kind of way, like, it was insane to me. Like, let me just be me. With my tattoos, with my Jordans, with my six-inch heels, whatever I'm wearing. Let me be me. I don't want I don't believe in kitten heels. Like, I don't want to wear kitten heels because
0: I'm safe. I wear Thank a good six-inch heel when I'm preaching. A good one. Listen, like, don't try it because I will be fly in this pulpit. <laughs> I am fly any time of my life. Listen, I am not going to put. No. I'm going to say something. I learned from the best. My first lady, that lady will preach you
1: down in red bottoms and look amazing doing it the whole time. So now that I'm older, I started going to a Kojic church when I was about 23, 23,
0: somewhere around there. And I've never seen nobody shout like that. Right. So I grew up Kojic, that grand old church. I grew up Kojic. Kojic. It's different. It's definitely different than any kind of other
1: Pentecostal, whatever you want to call it. it. It's different.
0: It's definitely different. And one thing, though, I do appreciate about the Kojic Church growing up was that the teaching was pretty solid. Like mm-hmm. the YPWWs, the Sunday school, the, you know, every time we met, I had really good teaching. I appreciate that part because by the time I got out of high school, I had a pretty solid foundation of the word. And so I was really grateful for that. I was grateful that my first lady, she was fly and she could shout and she wore cute shoes. So I knew then that I could dress up. I could still be a little conservative, but I can—I don't have to wear grandma's outfit. But I think when I moved to Oregon, I moved 12 years ago, but eight years ago, I started going to my current church with Thank You Lord for Virtual, because I could still be a part. and I live back in Michigan. My mentor is the lead pastors, their husband and wife team. And she is a lie. And it just changed the game when I got there. Because like, if you look at a church, you will see how the women dress based on the first lady or the, the pastor. I was like, oh, so I have to come prepared. Like you look like you get ready to go out. Really cute, makeup together all the time, heels right, outfit together. And so it just elevated the look. And so I love that women don't have to look like an old lady. You can be fly and be saved. And I think that is so important because I'm a young woman. Like I need to have my confidence together. I don't want to have to right. look at feel confident
1: dressed like a 65 year old woman. I'm sorry. I'm 28. Let
0: me be 28. Right. I'm like, I, I don't nobody have time for this. Like I'm not wearing this. No. And so I appreciate the freedom. And I think that's what I'm really getting to is the freedom that we as women can be ourselves in that space. It's like, I understand what the past was, but the past is over. We have to live in the new right. and allow God to show up because I think we get so lost in the legalistic perspectives that in order to be holy, I have to look a certain way. And that's not what he's He's asking for. Because even if we look at right. Jesus, like that's the whole conversation he was having with the people in the gospels. Like, I need you to do this in your heart. It's not what you have on the outside, it's on the inside. So you can say you've been saved for 65 years, but if you still meet as a snake, transformation hasn't happened. Are you in need of a life coach? Let me coach you. As a life coach, I specialize in areas of faith, life, and self-love. My coaching mission is to empower, encourage, and inspire people to discover their purpose, build their faith, and enhance their self-esteem and self-worth. My goal is to create a one-on-one partnership designed to empower you to discover your God-given potential to fulfill the dreams and goals already on the inside of you. I look forward to engaging with you and help you reach your next level moment. To schedule a session with me, click the link in my show notes or visit my website at LysandraBarnes.com welcome back to the show let's jump back into the conversation between me and brianna
2: i really
1: think the church is missing that for real because working with my cousin she's in the process of starting her church and it'll be out in san antonio i um, her executive pastor i remember like when she was talking about how she wanted to have leadership meetings with just the leaders about how the church is supposed to be and how we're supposed to deal with everybody everybody to be in that meeting not just the leaders because anybody at the church could make you feel some type of way It don't have to be a pastor or elder or deacon it could be somebody sitting next to you in the pew Mm -hmm. and that is not just about the leaders you know like, yet the leaders, they set the standard, but we have to make sure that everybody else follows. So there's one thing is like, oh, we held the leaders to this standard, but the, the people in the pews can do whatever they want to do. No, no, absolutely not. In my situation, I was pregnant mm. and I confided in her because she set two seats up for me every Sunday and Wednesday. She and she, and whenever we had prayer, she was always close by and she could look at me and tell something was wrong with me because I had just found out right before Bible said that I was pregnant. Mm hmm. And I told her, and I was like, she said, "Okay, well, if you need anything, I'm here." But blah, 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 doing all the, it sounds nice gestures, and then I miscarried at ten weeks.
2: Oh. And I
1: remember hearing from the other girl I was working with; she was like, Do you have an abortion?" And I was like, "What?" And she said, "I heard that you had an abortion." And I was like, "Who told you that?" Sure enough, the person that said two seats over for me
2: mm. is the one that said it,
1: and it. Bothered me so bad. Like, and I, I'm not sorry for what I did after that. I definitely cussed her out in front of the altar. And my pastor just looked was like, well, because it was something so sensitive to me. Because right before that, I had just shared my testimony with the church about how God had healed me from PCOS. Mm-hmm. And I, before that, I was told I, I would never be able to have children without medication. Like, I would never be able to carry children on my own. Mm-hmm. So if you knew that because you were there. It, this was on my 25th birthday. Like, mm-hmm. we had two services
2: mm-hmm. when
1: I when I shared that with everybody. And you wanted to grab my hand and shout with me. But then the minute you find out I'm pregnant and I lose the baby, oh, she had a fortune because she didn't want to have children. Why would I get up and share that testimony that yeah. I was healed from something that would prevent me from having children if I wanted to abort a child? Like, what sense does that make?
2: Yeah. Oh and so
1: I did go black off right at the service, And my pastor had to correct her. He Like he said, you know, Brie, she wrong for what she said. She shouldn't have said it the way she said it. But she's not wrong for what she said because you violated that trust. And that's not okay for you to want to be that close to somebody and then turn around and do that. It's
2: yeah. not
0: cool. Right. Oh, so let, let's speak about that for a second. There may be somebody that's listening that has gone to church and has confided in someone and has experienced church hurt. Now they're at the point where they're throwing Jesus away with the church as well because this woman or this man definitely left them wounded and now they don't want to come back. What would you say to them?
1: Don't let someone that misrepresented Jesus diminish your relationship with him.
0: Mm.
1: Your relationship with him should be your relationship with him and it shouldn't be dependent on others. They may not do things that are completely right and completely godly, but it's not about them. It's about Your relationship with God, put your relationship with God at a higher place than you do that person, because there's always going to be people that's going to misrepresent him. We're not perfect. We're going to fall short somewhere. Mm -hmm. And we really have to understand that people that are in the church, that are leaders, that are whatever in the church, they're not God. So you can't make them your God. You can't make them represent who God is to you, Mm -hmm. they're never going to be able to do that. I love my pastor and first lady. I talk to them every week, even though I live five and a half hours away. Mm -hmm. I love them so much. But when it's all said and done, it's not about my relationship with my pastor and first lady that's going to keep me safe. It's about my relationship with God Mm -hmm. and understanding that that comes first.
0: That is so good. I will also want to add to that is to take your pain to Jesus. Trust him with it. Exactly. Trust him with your pain. And that's that space where you can journal, you can pray and cry out and do whatever you have to do. I'm not telling you how to do it, but be authentic in that moment because you want to release it and not leave that in your body. And then he'll direct your steps and he'll say.
1: And that's really where your relationship takes a new level, like for real, when you trust him with it.
0: Mm hmm. That's an adversity. That is when you meet God is an adversity for real. Okay. My heart is broken. I felt betrayed. I feel disappointed. I'm angry. I'm hurt. I'm mad. Take that to him and let him show you how real he is in that moment where he comes and holds you and, and grabs your hand and encourages you and lets you know that we're going to get through this together.
1: That was something that I had to learn from my cousin just a few months ago. My cousin literally was like, you have to trust God with those hard like be for real and be honest with him about how you feel. And you ain't got to put on this facade like we're just so high and mighty and we're, but we're not being for real and where we are. I'll just be honest. I was in a relationship with the executive pastor at this ministry that I was a part of mm-hmm. and we broke up. We were still trying to figure out what we were going to do. We were kind of like, well, I have feelings for you, but we need to take it slow. And some things happened, and I thought we were in a good place. And then two months later, he was engaged to somebody else. Wow. We did not have a conversation prior to. I just looked up, and my cousin, who was the same cousin that was helping me through this, was like, listen, me and you got to have a hard conversation. I'm like, what's up? And Mm -hmm. she was like, he's about to propose to her. And I was like, excuse me? Mm -hmm. And she said, he didn't tell you? And I was like, no, he didn't. So now I have to come to church mm. every Sunday Yep, and see you, sing on the praise team with you, work with you, because we are the ones that make sure everything gets done in the church. And you want to have a conversation with me about everything else but that. Mm-hmm. You you, you're never going to tell her how you were promising that we would be together and how you wanted to be with me, but you were waiting for me to move out of my aunt's house. Mm-hmm. You've never wanted to have that conversation. And I think even in that situation when he tried to pretend like we were best friends after that, I was like, bro, don't talk to me. Mm -hmm. like don't talk to me right before we got together i told god i don't have any more relationship you gotta make this work if this is your will you gotta make this work because i don't want nothing to do with him right now
2: yeah
1: i told him that when he first told me that he liked me i told god that and everything he was like i'm gonna show you who you are through him and i'm like okay so like he went to he went to jail i was literally was going to that family like when his family and friends were not were just sitting around crying and not trying to take no action mm-hmm. i was the one that was calling his probation officer wow you like you need to get him out today mm-hmm. i don't care if he got locked up two o'clock this morning he's getting out before five o'clock this mm-hmm. evening and it, it happened before five o'clock that <laughs> evening because i came down to visit him
2: mm-hmm. and he
1: got locked up right after he had seen me and then that evening after he was out before five o'clock and I went home after he got out,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. literally
1: stayed up praying all night. So I was like, God, why did you let this happen? Mm-hmm. Why did you allow me to feel that kind of hurt? I really, really thought that if the favor that's supposed to come with the wife came in every situation that we went through, then this is where we're supposed to end up. But this is not where we are right now. God, I need you to, I, mean, I really need you to help me. I, I will go to jail if you don't handle it. Mm-hmm. Because not only do we go to the where we're we going to the same church and sing on the praise we and working on the ministry together, he's also driving the car that my mom sold to him. That was my grandmother's car. Wow. So it's like I cannot get away from you, and so now you are playing with my emotions and want me to act like we're best friends. But if I act anything outside of that, people are looking at me crazy. Right. I literally had to have a for real talk with God. Like it wasn't like a God, your worry, God, this is, no, God, this is where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. What you want me to do? Because right now. I'm really like, I told you I'm a form ratchet, but I keep something on me at all times. My (laughs) car is packed with knives. Oh my goodness. All kind of stuff, like, for real. Mm -hmm. There's every part of me that wants to go cut with me. Mm -hmm, There's mm -hmm. every part of me that wants to revert to being 15 years old. When I was 15 years old, bust the windows out. There's a part of me that want to do that, but I'm 28 and I'll go to jail. Right. To have to trust him with everything that I'm feeling and not just the pretty. Yeah. you really find your freedom in that? To be that free in your relationship with God, where you can tell him the things that you're afraid to tell anybody else.
0: And that's the transformative part. When he becomes the I am in your life, that is when you take everything to him. So he says in Exodus to Moses, he said, tell them I am that I am sent you. And so God is that I am to you. I am your friend. I am your comforter. I am your father. I am, you know, your provider. I am your protector. I am your lover. I'm everything that you need to be. And to take that kind of reverence to him for that saying, I need, I am in this moment. So, you know, instead of just coming phony to the Lord, being honest, like, Hey, who I need to talk to today? I need my father. Let's talk. I need my Lord right now. I need my savior. I need my friend. Let's talk. And I think that is where we find the freedom of God and the friendship of God. And then the songs of like Israel and Nubri, I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. It starts hitting different. It hits different when you really go through something and he comes through as a friend.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: That's the first song that came to mind when you said that was I Am But I think
2: it's James Fortune. Mm -hmm. It is
1: like one of my favorite songs. I remember one song i could not shake it i have everything that i need the great i am provides for me you are my strength when i've been weak to really think about the words of the song they literally hit different when i started thinking like wow he literally is my strength when i've been weak i'm at one of the weakest points in my life right now and you literally are my strength Mm -hmm. and you're whatever i need you to be you are the i am that you are the simplest word but it meant so much it's not just a pretty song. this is what i know this is this is where I'm at
0: right now. That you are, you know, the I am that you are. That is so good. I think it goes back to what we were saying about the Lord being a shepherd. Right. When we take him to those dark moments and we really trust him for who he is and when you find out who he is for yourself, you will get an everlasting friend that is so faithful, so kind, so caring, so generous and so loving that will repair your wounded pieces. I think that is so, so, so important. Mm. Cordially invited to join the Royal One Book Club. It meets every Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via Zoom. So register at RoyalOneEnterprise.com to receive that link. You don't want to miss these empowerment sessions. The book we are currently discussing is Rejected to Accept It. Rejected to Accept It is an empowering guide to wholeheartedness. This book explores the personal triumphs and struggles I face while embarking on my self-discovery journey. After experiencing fatherlessness, domestic violence, and a series of failed and unhealthy relationships, more than a memoir, Rejected to accept it empowers the reader to overcome the crippling effects of rejection and domestic violence. You learn how to love yourself and others the way God intended and create healthy patterns for future relationships. This book provides hope and inspiration. Maybe you have personal experiences that left you heartbroken or questioning your worth. Rejected to Accept It will encourage you to allow Jesus to repair the shattered pieces of your heart with the glue of his love. Rejected to Accept It is available on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com in both paperback and ebook formats. Whoa. We're going to kind of shift just a little bit. I know that you had said you had struggled with your self-esteem and self-worth. Can you tell me a little bit about that and then the steps that you took to really heal that?
1: Well, I'm going to try to make this short. I guess I'll start in the middle of the story. I went through a really, really bad breakup with somebody I've been friends with since I was 13 and I was about 26. Yeah, I was about 26. And I remember feeling so, so broken because I'm like, God, we've been friends since I was 13 years old and he don't want me. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with me? And so my boss at the time, she's friends with Shamika Dean, but she has a book called Positioning Yourself to Be a Wife. Okay. And my boss was like, I think you need to read this. I didn't even tell her that me and this guy had broke up. Mm-hmm. And so she gave me the book. It has nothing to do with my position at all. Like, like I literally was like her social media manager and like her schedule. Like, I I was her assistant. It had this book had nothing to do with the job whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so I started reading the book and it, like it was breaking down how relationships with your parents can kind of affect your current relationship. And so I started thinking back to my relationship with my father. I'm a daddy's girl, true and true. I'm the oldest, so I've been up under my dad my most of my life. The thing about my dad is my dad grew up in a household without a father. Mm. So and he has older sisters. So he never got to see how his father interacted with his sister. So when he had two daughters, he didn't really know how to interact with them. He didn't know what they needed. Mm-hmm. So growing up, I never heard my dad say you're beautiful. You know, neither one of my parents are outwardly expressive with how they love me and my sister. Mm-hmm. So and my mom, you know, she grew up in a household where her mom didn't tell her that she was until she was 21 Mm -hmm. so you know when you come from two broken homes both of my parents were raised by a single parent both of them came from extremely broken homes Mm -hmm. and so you know for my parents it was well we're going to stay together for our kids we're not going to have all these outside children we're going to make sure that our kids have what they need financially but me and my sister missed out a lot on the relationship part so I never heard that, I, you know, you're so smart, you're so pretty. I never heard that. So when a guy told me that, I'm like, oh, wait, he thinks I'm pretty? Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, let's see where this goes. Because I'm also a dark-skinned female. Yeah. And growing up in the South and having 85% of my friends were Mm light-skinned. Probably, like, in my circle that I ran within, like, middle school and high school, there was me and another girl that was dark skinned so, you know, I grew up in the era where, you know, everybody wants a long hair, thick red mount. That's not me.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> I get it.
1: So, it, you know, it really played with me mentally. So, like, when people showed interest in me, it was like I was immediately drawn to them. And I wanted to do whatever I could to keep them in my life. I didn't think that I had those self-esteem until my pastor from back home, um, from Cathedral Frays. Shout out to Paul the
0: Third. I love you Dad. But, um... Uh, <laughs> Look, give
2: a shout out to yeah,
1: this dude. He until he brought to my attention that I had low self-esteem because I just thought I had it going on like I didn't not physically but like I was like I'm smart like I don't have to study and I'm in the honors program in my college I graduated with honors from high school and I didn't even try like you know I, I was very confident in my capabilities but not me mm-hmm. like I didn't feel like I was enough mm-hmm. in relationships I fell short because it's like I put up a wall and I'm like if they were going to break down this wall
2: Mm-hmm. then
1: I'm, you know, I'm I'm down like full so flat on the Cadillac. Like, I'm, I'm just, that's what it is. Like, ain't nothing gonna stop this.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: then when they, people take advantage of that, like I've almost cut federal charges, been in abusive relationship. Well, one physically abusive relationship and the rest were like mentally and mm-hmm. going through all these things and people taking advantage of my love for them mm-hmm. and not understanding that I wasn't loving me more than I loved them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It took me a up until I was twenty six years old to realize this is not okay. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're just doing so much and they don't appreciate it. No, you you don't love you the way that you love them.
2: Right.
1: Like if you love you the way that you love them, you wouldn't let this stuff keep happening to you. You're bigger than this. You're better than this. I had to reevaluate everything, like everything. So when this situation came up where the guy was dating proposed to somebody else, mm-hmm. it knocked the wind out of me for real. But I had to understand that even though I desired that relationship, that was not what God had for me. I had to learn myself all over again. I'm like, learn who I am through God because God created me. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know how something works and, work and what it's supposed to be used for, you go to the user username. That's the Bible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I had to learn. I had to go to God in prayer and be like, God, what do you want from me? What am I supposed to be here for? Because apparently what I'm doing is not working.
2: Mm-hmm
1: find myself oh this is why i went through all these bad relationships because i'm supposed to help other people understand who they are before they get into these relationships so many people are in broken relationships and they're in relationships why they're not thriving the way that they should be and they always going back and forth you gotta love yourself enough to let yourself heal from the stuff that you've been through yes especially and god forgive me what i'm about to say but black people we do not do right by that we are sweeping under the rug type people that people are literally
0: suffering in silence when they don't have to. Yeah, I agree with that. I know I, I suffered with low self-esteem and self-worth myself and mine was based on father wounds that I had. And it was interesting because God took me through a process of learning to love myself. And I definitely outlined it in my book, Rejected to accept it, Learning to Love Myself After Adversity. And it was a process that I share now with everybody. I share the steps to really discovering You know, where the wound is, where's the lie? What do you know? How do I see myself? What are the lies that I believe about myself? What is the fear that I think is going to happen to me because of this lie that I believe? And then what is the shame? What happened to cause me to feel like I'm, you know, unloved or whatever the lie is? And then, you know, because of this event that has happened because of the shame. And then I had to discover the truth of who I was. Like I had to go back and Rewrite the narrative of who I am based on the scriptures of what God says I am. And, you know, renounce this former mindset and really change my perspective. And every day go about praying, Lord, let me see myself the way that you see me. And then owning that I am loved, wanted, I'm accepted. I'm not rejected. I am beautiful. And understanding the purpose of relationships and the kind of relationships that I was desiring were never going to be beneficial toward me. I
1: was shot up on the mountaintop top. The comments have been the best thing that ever happened to me. It was just recently when I told First Lady about what happened. Mm-hmm. She, and I told her what happened. And she was like, "Girl, you get too much. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nobody will ever tell me that. Through Young, Safe, and Free, I'm working on a book of affirmations. Every day, if you follow me at Young, Safe, and Free, I post a daily affirmation. It's like, I am healed. I am whatever. Like, And I take, a, I literally take a scripture and take make an affirmation out of it somehow. Like, I every single day. Every
2: single
1: day. And I write it out. And it's always something, even if I do the same
2: scripture more than once, Mm -hmm.
1: I'll probably pull something completely different out of it because it's a different revelation
0: every time. That is so good. So a book that I've read before and I tell everybody to read um, when you're struggling in those relationships and you're struggling to have those healthy boundaries and learning to try and figure out who you are. It's a book. It's by Robin Norwood. It's called Women Who Love Too Much. When You Keep Wishing and Hoping He'll Change. It was definitely life-changing as I read through it. And so Robin Norwood, she is a therapist talking about some of the experiences she had with some of her clients, but I definitely found myself within the first few pages of the book. And it was just so helpful that I found some really good information in there and how to learn to love myself, set healthy boundaries, and you know expect different things for my life. And I think On the note of what you were talking about is that God will also, if you are struggling with father wounds, God will also provide you with a a surrogate father who can step in and be a good example of what a healthy father looks like. I know for myself, my pastor, shout out Pastor Mark and Marla Strong at Life Change Church Portland, and they have been my mentors. And Pastor Mark has definitely stepped in as a surrogate father for me in ways that I never asked for. It just kind of worked out the way in which I feel like he's taking me under his wing and you know taught me a lot of stuff about ministry and trying to figure out my degrees and everything, just jur- the journey that I'm on you know, I've realized that every time i needed advice, every time I'm trying to do something, he always provides an answer. And I really, really appreciate that just changing the narrative of what I see as a man, you know what I mean? And, and what a father is, because, you know, I did have such a negative perspective of my own father. God can provide you with a surrogate, even though you may have experienced wounds from your own natural father. So I think that is beneficial as well. So, with that being said, I have really, really, really enjoyed this conversation. I will definitely have to have you back on the show. How can we follow you or find you online?
1: Uh, well, I am on Instagram. Um, you can follow me at Young Saving Free. I have a YouTube channel that's also called Young Saving Free. I think you uploading. If you do follow me, make sure you sign up for my waiting list for my affirmation I Definitely. If you enjoyed this conversation, I think that you'll definitely benefit from that. Um, So it's always going to be like a daily affirmation, just a book of them, just for for you to
2: have. Mm -hmm.
1: So you remember what God says about you, what he thinks about you. And it's called, well, the first, it's going to be a series of them, but the first one is going to be, I know what my daddy says about me.
0: Perfect. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for being on the show will definitely keep linking up and i will definitely get my copy of your affirmation book because i know it's going to be amazing
1: definitely enjoy this we gotta i have to have you on for a let's talk about it i will definitely have you on i'll probably be reaching out to you very soon we'll probably in the next couple of weeks about that i gotta get the schedule right for it
0: yeah absolutely let me know when and i'm ready Thank you for joining me for the 14th episode of the Royal One podcast. I look forward to providing you with more encouraging content that empowers you to discover your purpose, embrace your identity and engage faith tenaciously. Make sure to follow Brianna on Instagram and YouTube at Young Saved and Free. And you can also sign up for the waiting list for her affirmation book with the link on her Instagram page. If you have any questions that you would like answered on the show about purpose, faith, relationships, or anything in general, email me at info@lasandrabarnes.com at to ask your question. You want to book a one-on-one coaching session with me? You can just click the link in my show notes to schedule that session. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment on the podcast. You can follow me on social media at MissRoyalty143 on Instagram and Twitter, and Dr. Lasandra Barnes on Facebook. Remember, you can purchase a copy of Rejected to Accepted online. Click the link in my show notes. You've been listening to The Royal One Podcast, where I empower women the royal way. Have a great day.